being a financial advisor is an amazing profession, right? It is so noble and the work they do is so impactful. Yet I feel like sometimes there's still the stereotype of the stock jockeys from the 80s and 90s. And what we know is that being great at building relationships and building trust and really caring about your clients is actually one of the most important things to being a successful advisor. And women are naturally great at that. Welcome to the Active Advisor Podcast, brought to you by Harbor Capital. Join us as we learn from pros who have helped thousands of investors live better lives. I'm Brian Moore, and I'll be chatting with some of the brightest minds in the financial advisory business, bringing you insights on practice management and investment research that works for advisors and their clients. Joining me today on this episode of the Active Advisor Podcast is the Executive Vice President, Advisor Growth Solutions at LPL Financial, Elisa Motti. Elise is a senior strategist and distribution leader in the financial services industry with a remarkable career and a wealth of experience, which includes overseeing teams across distribution, financial planning, insurance, and sales enablement for LPL. Prior to LPL, she served as the head of distribution and strategic partnerships at Wisdom Tree. In her current role, she focuses on enhancing advisor adoption of LPL's platforms and consulting resources while directly contributing to the strategy and development of future wealth management offerings. If that isn't enough, beyond her financial experience, she's also a strong advocate for women in finance, serving on the Women in ETF's U.S. Regional Leadership Team as the former Chicago chapter co-head. Welcome, Elisa, and thank you for joining us. Hi, Brian. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, it's been something I'd love to have you on. We've been talking about it. I'm like, at some point in time, I'd love to get you on. You were a mentor to me in my time at Wisdom Tree, and, and definitely you've gone on to do bigger and better things at LPL. Thank you for saying that. It's so fun to reconnect. So for anyone who's been actively following the Active Advisor, pun fully intended, they know we like to get the conversation started by asking, what is the first memory you have related to money or investing? As I was thinking about that, I, I certainly worked in my teens and had money memories, but I think my first memory of investing was really when I started my first job at Morgan Stanley. It was really the first time I had a 401k and an employee stock purchase program. And that was back in 2000. And as you probably remember, the markets were on a tear. I put my money into my 401k and bought some employee stock. And I would come in every morning and I would look at it and it was going up and up and up. And that was super exciting to me. And it was around the same time I was taking my Series 7 and really started to learn about the time value of money and how critical it is to start early. And those early experiences really gave me the passion around what wealth could do over time for average Americans and, and really got me into this business as an investor as well. Excellent story. That was an interesting time uh, in the markets. Well, I'm glad you got in on the upswing. Yes, no. yes. Building on that first memory, I touched on your background a little bit in the intro, but can you walk us through your journey and what led you to your current position within LPL? Absolutely. So I mentioned I started at Morgan Stanley, but what I didn't mention is I actually started as a temp. I graduated college with a marketing and management degree, and I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And so I got a temp job at Morgan Stanley, Dean Witter at the time, in their proprietary mutual fund division. So it was the old intercapital group. And I was in this group supporting a group of wholesalers and internal wholesalers and it was my first entryway into what is this world of wholesaling and distribution on the asset management side. And remembering back to those times, it was all B shares. We were just launching like the first advisory platform. So it was a really cool time to start learning about this business. 
And at the time, Morgan Stanley had owned a firm in Chicago called Van Campen Investments. So after a few years at Morgan Stanley, I went over to Van Campen. I became an internal wholesaler there, worked my way up to run the internal wholesaling desk across the Midwest and, and got to really try out some things in national accounts with some of our top clients there. And then around 2008, I got a really interesting call about a new firm that was launching. It had been out for, I guess, about a year at that point called Wisdom Tree. They had about 20 employees, and I had just taken my SEMA at the time. And I had such a strong belief in the ETF market. And Wisdom Tree was approaching ETFs in a unique way. They weren't market cap weighting. They were fundamentally weighting and, and trying to have a little bit of a, a twist on what was out there. But I had believed from my SEMA that ETFs were going to be huge. Transparency, lower fees, tax efficiency. And I was at a point in my career where I didn't have a family or a husband. And I thought it would be an amazing time to take a huge leap of faith to a relatively new company that had about 20 employees. And boy, I'm glad I did because I got to wear lots of many hats there over my 13 years at Wisdom Tree, starting out as a salesperson, but really expanding my sales distribution experience by covering every single channel from the institutional channel to the RAs, to private wealth, to banking, to understanding the different nuances of all those channels. As you mentioned in the intro, I ran North America Distribution as well as launching our strategic partnership group there. So it was a great experience. And after 13 years, I had been in the asset management business for about 20 years at that point. And I said, I really want to expand my portfolio and get on the wealth management side. So it was a very intentional move I made to go to the wealth management side. And as I was looking at all of wealth management, I knew I wanted to be on the independent side of things because I really believe in the independent advisor and a business owner. And LPL made just so much sense to me. Their unique differentiation around affiliation models, serving advisors so they can serve their clients, and really the flexibility of how advisors want to affiliate with us from supported independence to private wealth. Advisors can pick their models and they can pick the level of capabilities and support they want along the way. So it was a no-brainer to join LPL. And it's been an amazing couple of years here at LPL. That's awesome. So making that jump, because obviously you've had a good couple of years covering advisors to now making that jump and going behind the curtain. Has there been any challenges or realizations that you've had in that process going from asset management to wealth management? It's such a great question. And when I was in asset management, I had spent time with thousands and thousands of advisors throughout my career. But the one thing I maybe didn't fully appreciate when I joined this side of the business and now sitting side by side with our advisors is how much they truly, truly have on their plate. You think about the evolving compliance landscape that they're dealing with. They have to select their technology, but also make it connect, also build out the workflows and figure out how they're going to use it to really power their business. They have to pay rent and find a lease. They have to go out and hire talent and figure out how to pay them. Not to mention they're trying to find new clients and figuring out if they should sell their business or buy a new business and making sure their practice is prepared for all of that. So the amount that is on the plates of these independent advisors and individual business owners is a lot. And one of the things that I've been really excited to watch, because we have so many advisors, you can start to see you know, what people are doing. What I found is some of our most successful advisors, they love to double down on their superpower, whatever that is, and they figure out a way to outsource some of those other tasks that I mentioned. And, you know, at LPL, we have a whole department that's focused on outsource solutions, whether you want to outsource your CFO, your marketing, your admin, your pair planning. And so we're really seeing a lot of our most successful advisors thinking about leaning into their superpowers 
and figuring out how they can outsource the rest. Do you think that would have helped you out back if we put you back on the wholesaling side, maybe a little bit different you when you're talking to the, to the advisors? I think so. I think that once you have the appreciation, then you can help guide folks to where their highest use of impact is and how to think about other solutions to make them more efficient. Makes perfect sense. I'd love to talk to you a little bit about your career progression as it relates to being a woman in the finance industry. One of our guests in 2023 mentioned that she had recently attended the LPL Women's Conference, which I know you're involved in. Yes. I also know that you were recently a moderator at the Barron's Women's Summit. Could you share some more about your involvement in supporting women in finance, both in terms of advocacy and encouraging more women to join the industry? Yeah, I think it's a really important topic. And maybe I'll take them separately and we'll start with how do you get more women to join the industry? Because to be frankly honest, as an industry, we haven't done a good job of that. The numbers have not moved to where they need to be. Uh, and it's not just women. It's, it's all underrepresented people across our industry. And I think it boils down to three things. The industry as a group needs to focus on transparency and being transparent around the number of women, the percentage of women they have as advisors. The second one is education. And we're doing a lot of that at LPL. And I know many of the firms are around outreach, not only to colleges, but also even younger than that. I'm thinking about speaking in my fourth graders class, just trying to start to get people thinking about different careers. And the third thing is really changing the perceptions or myths of what this role is. Being a financial advisor is an amazing profession, right? It is so noble and the work they do is so impactful. Yet I feel like sometimes there's still the stereotype of the stock jockeys from the 80s and 90s and what we know is that being great at building relationships and building trust and really caring about your clients is actually one of the most important things to being a successful advisor. And women are naturally great at that. So I think those are three things the industry can do as a whole. And then, of course, we're looking to the amazing women we have in other areas of our firm. We have over 20,000 admins, for example, at LPL, many of which are women and are there opportunities for some of those women to step up and become financial advisors or in our service department? And so as an industry, we need to do more there. As it relates to advocacy and mentorship, I'm just a huge, huge fan of that and super passionate around it. There's an interesting study that McKinsey does every year where they talk about what is happening. Why aren't there more women getting to the C-suite in the financial services industry? And last year, what they shared is this concept of the broken rung, right? So if you think about the ladder getting to the C-suite, their comments are that the first step is actually broken. So if you look at the entry-level employees, for every 100 men that make that move from an entry-level to their first-time management role, there's only 87 women that do. And so the concept is, is that the group is getting smaller and smaller, obviously, as you go up the ladder. And if you can make that first rung, equal, that's going to have a huge impact. And so one of the things I'm challenging myself to do and challenging everyone I speak to to do is to be super intentional about how you're spending your time mentoring and advocating for folks. Oftentimes we do it at the level right below us. But the reality is if we want to make everlasting change, we actually need to go down to those entry-level employees and help close that gap of the first management job. So there's so much more to do. It's something I'm super passionate about. At LPL, we obviously have mentorship programs like many of the other firms. We also launched a Rising Star program, which is really exciting, where we're partnering our newer-to-industry women advisors with senior women advisors in the business and having that mentorship program. And we've had just an outpouring of interest. And so 
a lot more to do. And anybody listening, I challenge you to go talk to your college or high school locally about this profession and how amazing it is. And really be intentional about where you're spending your time on the mentorship side. That's awesome. And, and I'm selfishly, the, the advisor we spoke with last year, I opened up to her and I said, I've got a high school daughter who I would love and I know she could excel in this business. And, and it's one of the things that you definitely see. She saw me coming from the trading side now to the advisory side. And, and I think it's something she's got the knack. And it's, you know, you're really concerned that hopefully that we fix that first wrong because you knew something was broken there all along. So that's great to hear. And if you ever do, if you're ever in the area and you want to speak at a high school, please let me know. More than happy. She won't let me in. (laughs) I'd love to. (laughs) Okay, we're going to shift gears here a little bit. I'd actually like to circle back to some of the work that you're currently doing at LPL. Can you tell us a little bit about, about your team and some of the more unique services that your team is focusing on? Yes, absolutely. So first of all, I have the best team in the business. I feel so fortunate every day to be leading our growth solutions team at LPL And every morning, my team gets up thinking about how do we help advisors run a thriving business and also be great advisors. As you mentioned, many of the consulting services, the practice management and services at LPL fall into that org. We have our uh, advisory consultants that help advisors think about how to run a more efficient investment practice through models and making sure they're using the right rebalancing and trading tools. We have our insurance agency, which is helping advisors expand their comprehensive advice offerings into life insurance. We have advisor training and development through Advisor Institute and University, where we're training new to industry advisors, as well as sharing practice management and and best practices with uh, more tenured advisors. And we're actually launching two new services this year that we're working on right now, which is really exciting. One around technology consulting. So I mentioned that's one of the biggest challenges that our advisors are having. And we're building out some services to help advisors not only select their tech stack, but actually build the workflows within it, as well as growth coaching. Many of our advisors are raising their hands, looking for coaching, and we're putting together a unique solution that includes external coaches, internal accountability partners, as well as learning from the most successful advisors at the firm. So a lot of moving pieces, but it's a real pleasure to get up every day and to know we're helping advisors be more effective. That's awesome. One of the things you mentioned earlier that obviously going behind the curtain, you saw that advisors were concerned, had to be concerned about hiring people, rent. Is there kind of any services or coaching in those two areas as well? Because I would think obviously location probably has something to do with it, especially if you're going to in a suburban setting or even growth coaching on the hiring side? So when you think about leasing and rent, it depends which affiliation you want to join with LPL. We have different affiliations that will go source rent for you, pay all your bills, and actually take that off your plate so you can do what you got into the business to do, which is help clients. So we have lots of affiliation models that can help you with that. We are also testing out right now payroll services behind the scenes around could we take that off of your plate? Again, depending on your affiliation model, that's baked into to the affiliation model, but we are hoping to offer some services there as well. And, and we're toying around with helping to source talent. Again, depending on your affiliation model, you have some support there, but for our true independent or RA advisors that may just want to outsource that, we're looking to build some solutions there as well. Well, that's great to know. One of the things I think we've done and, and one of the reasons we launched this podcast is we found that advisors want to hear what other advisors are doing. And so we've talked to a lot of independent advisors and some on the LPL platform. And you definitely hear a lot of the challenges, tech stack being one, kind of personnel being another, place, location being another. It seems like you guys are really looking at everything full circle and trying to really enable RAs and advisors to be the best version of themselves for their clients and devote as much time as they can to that. 
Yeah, that's absolutely right. Our tagline is we take care of you so you can take care of your clients, right? And that's every day we get up to make sure that we can help our advisors thrive in whatever business they want to run in their terms. Well, that's awesome. So I'm going to shift gears on you one last time. I know you've done some research on high-performing advisors. Can you share what these advisors have in common and what they're doing differently? Absolutely. So I mentioned earlier, we've got a really unique vantage point that we have 23,000 advisors and we are growing so fast. But that affords us the opportunity to really understand who's doing what and what's setting our really high performers in terms of NNA adoption apart from their peers. And so we did a study, a pretty in-depth study about a year and a half ago to really try to nail down what are these differences And we found our high-performing advisors, by the way, are bringing in four times as much NNA as the average advisor. They're growing extremely quickly. Their revenue numbers are up. And what we found is it came down to six key characteristics that really set them apart. The first one was time management, right? And we found that our top advisors are spending 70% of their time with clients on client engagement or business development, which is no surprise. I think everyone would love to get to that number. But the way you get to that number is what we talked about is how do you outsource some of the functions that aren't revenue generating? How do you think more smartly about how you're running investment portfolios through a models-based practice? And that's what we've seen is this time management piece is a big differentiator. The second one is around business development. Again, no surprise, our top performers are really good at finding new clients. But one thing that was a little bit surprising to us there is the amount of tactics they're using to bring in new clients. Oftentimes I'll talk to advisors and they're like, hey, I do seminars and referrals. And those are my two things. We found our top advisors were actually using eight different tactics to bring new clients in. So it didn't matter which tactic you use. The point is you need a lot of lines, right, in the lake to catch a fish. And so that's one of the unique findings, as well as they're obviously willing to invest heavily in their ability to find new clients. Technology, so the usage of technology specifically around CRM. So not only using technology, having a CRM, using it robustly, making sure your prospect names were in there, that you had workflows built and you were running prospecting campaigns out of your CRM was another differentiator. Planning and comprehensive advice was a really big one. We know that the average investor, more and more of them are demanding and want planning. And yet we still have a lot of advisors that are finding their way in that realm But the most successful ones were not only fully financial planning, but they were adding other services around comprehensive advice like tax planning or high net worth services. Again, offerings that we have on an outsourced basis that our advisors can tap into. The fifth thing was multi-generational approach. Nothing surprising there, but our advisors did a great job of really getting to know next gen, making sure they were included in all the important decision making pieces, and they were benefiting from having that next gen stay on board. And then finally, it was a team-based approach, which was interesting. And we found it didn't matter if you actually built your own team internally and actually hired people that complemented your skill set or had specialties. You could do it that way, or you could surround yourself with an outsourced team, the tax planning expert from LPL or the insurance expert from LPL, and presenting yourself as a team that had specialties that could really advance your relationships with clients were really, really important. So those are some of the key differentiated points that we saw from our group, and we'll continue to do research as we continue to grow. That's great. And I think it's definitely six points that everybody can take a look at and start at least, you know, we're still here early on in 2024, start to roadmap out a couple of them for the advisors who are listening. At Harbor, we're firm believers in active management, though it's important to acknowledge that every financial expert has their own unique perspective. 
from your experience, and you can go both sides, wholesaling or on the asset management side, where have you observed active management making the most significant difference? Yeah, I think it's a great question. And there is a place for active management. I know I have an ETF background that's primarily passive, but for me, I think certain areas of the fixed income market that require the research and the expertise to really understand the credit or the convertible bond, I think are really important. Anything that's less liquid, I think still in the alternative space, you're seeing the benefit of active management. And those would be the, t- the two areas that I would lean into on active management. Last but not least, how can people find you? I'm on LinkedIn, Alisa Mahdi. Look me up. I'd love to connect. Uh, I'd love to hear what you're working on and share ideas. So feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. That's great. Thank you so much, Alisa. It's been a pleasure to have you. And now we're going to move on to my favorite segment, the lightning round or 60 seconds with Alisa Mahdi. Let me know when you're ready. I'm ready. Nickname. Mahdi. Hobby. I see baseball stadium. Profession if you weren't in finance. MBA sideline reporter. Hidden talent. I can name all 50 states in alphabetical order in less than 30 seconds. What's the best professional advice you've ever received? Hire happy people. Superpower. Listening and asking questions. Biggest risk you've ever taken. Professionally, probably joining Wisdom Tree when it was still in startup mode. What's something you wish you you were better at. Anything that has to do with sewing or knitting. What's your go-to karaoke song? Vanilla Ice, Ice Ice Baby. What piece of advice would you give your 22-year-old self? Opportunity arises in chaos. Chaos creates opportunities. Social media follow recommendation. I like Kipsis, and I've also recently been listening to the Barron's Advisor podcast. Best part of your job. Seeing my team succeed and knowing that we're helping a lot of advisors help more Americans. Favorite way to get active. I'm huge into working out. Right now I'm into hit cardio on Peloton and playing one one versus one against my children in basketball. Whether you're a seasoned advisor or just getting started, the Active Advisor brought to you by Harbor Capital offers professional insights for the financial advisor community. Visit us at harborcapital.com to learn more. And don't forget to subscribe to the Active Advisor on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts to stay up to date on investment trends, tried and tested research methods, and what your industry peers are up to. From all of us at Harbor Capital, thanks for tuning in. And now for important disclosures. This material is for informational purposes and is not intended to be relied upon as a forecast, research or investment advice and is not a recommendation, offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or adopt any investment strategy. The opinions expressed are as of 10th of January 2024 and are subject to change. The opinions expressed by the speakers do not necessarily represent the views of Harbour Capital Advisors, Inc. The information and opinions contained in this material are derived from proprietary and non-proprietary sources deemed by Harbour Capital Advisors, Inc. to be reliable and are not necessarily all-inclusive and are not guaranteed as to accuracy. This material may contain forward-looking information that is not purely historical in nature. Such information may include, among other things, projections and forecasts. There is no guarantee that any of these views will come to pass. This material may not be representative of the experience of other individuals. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the viewer. This material is not legal, tax or accounting advice. Please consult with a qualified professional for this type of advice. Investing involves risk including the risk of loss. Specific companies and issuers are mentioned for educational purposes only and should not be deemed a recommendation to buy or sell any securities.
Any companies mentioned do not necessarily represent current or future holdings of any investment products. Harbour Capital Advisors Inc. does and may seek to do business with companies covered in this podcast. As a result, listeners should be aware that the firm may have a conflict of interest that could affect the objectivity of this podcast. This material is prepared by Harbour Capital Advisors Inc. Harbour Capital Advisors Inc. is not affiliated with LPL Financial LLC. All trademarks or product names mentioned herein are the property of their respective owners. Copyright 2023 Harbour Capital Advisors Inc. All rights reserved.